Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pivoted Success Podcast Series, hosted by Sean Cochran of TCC Canada and myself, Jared Goldsmith from ESACS. Today, we're very pleased to be welcoming serial entrepreneur Carla Briones, a founder of Freshy and Global Pet Foods and probably a few more businesses. Hopefully, we'll get a, have a chance to get into that. Carla, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Oh, Carla, you know, we hear so many times, especially those who have some sort of restaurants, food business. It is one of the most toughest things generations have faced. Like, tell us a bit, well, before we get into that, Carla, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you end up in Ottawa and how did you become such a successful entrepreneur all these years? <laughs> well, I'm originally from Mexico. So I came to Canada when I was 18 years old in a U-Haul truck. Actually, we ended up driving all the way from Mexico to Canada. It was uh, the longest six days of my life in a U-Haul with no air conditioner, no radio, and a cat on my lap. Um, and then <laughs> I would like to say the rest is history, but there's so much in between. Um, I'm co I come from a, a family of entrepreneurs. My dad's a veterinarian doctor who eventually ended up going through a lot of his own issues of trying to recertify in Canada. Many, many years later, eventually he ended up um, opening his own practice in the Ottawa area. And I always say entrepreneurship is contagious. You speak to an entrepreneur and you just get so like buzzed up because everybody's so excited about their businesses. I love it. And you, you know, I've been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs myself over the years. If you really want to get where you're going, hang out with other entrepreneurs. It's so refreshing. Refresh, Absolutely. get it? Refresh. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so in the, eventually I decided to follow my parents' suit and then ended up opening first Global Pet Foods. And then about six, seven years later, I opened up Freshy because, you know, how hard can it be running up a restaurant? And oh my God, famous last words. So I ended up uh, getting into the restaurant industry just because I was into healthy food and a healthy lifestyle. And there wasn't mm -hmm. anything like Freshy um, in the Westboro area, which is where I ended up opening. And it is a tough business, man. It is one of the toughest industries to be in is the restaurant uh, and the food industry, but it's also a, a very rewarding one and one where you end up learning a lot on the spot right away. So yeah, it's been it's been a tough go with uh, with uh, with COVID, but there's also been some some really satisfying moments as well. Well, you know, that's one of the reasons why we we really were very pleased to have you on the podcast to hear about some of those moments. Because uh, as I mentioned earlier in the bit of a preamble, we want to hear about some of the ways you've adapted your businesses uh, to offer inspiration, knowledge, and support for those listening or watching on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. And feeling those harsh points. I mean, we all hit that point in March where you were like, okay, well, this is a bit weird. I guess we'll have a couple of weeks off. That's not the end of the world. And then it was a couple more weeks. Then it was another month. And you're like, okay, well, this is permanent. So this is scary. So for you in particular, I mean, especially with a retail and a food business, I mean, what was that like, that initial sort of first few months? I mean, where was your head at? Because I know a lot of us were very scattered and concerned, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my head was definitely at the beginning, it was in panic mode, right? Like for the first few days when everything settled in saying, oh my God, this is not going to change anytime soon. But then something really weird happens. And I think it, it happens to a lot of entrepreneurs is that that pressure kind of kicks in this like do or die um, feeling where it's almost like this adrenaline rush where you're just doing, 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 doing without really thinking much about it. And it's almost, 
it's almost addictive because you you get so excited about like creating a new idea and launching that new idea within sometimes within hours and you're testing it and then it doesn't work and then you move on to the other one so it became a really intense time and it still is but i mean at least we now know that this is gonna go for much longer but uh, um but in that moment it was just so intense and there was just this adrenaline rush of just iterating iterating whatever we were trying uh, just to make it work and it was almost addictive and it became actually kind of exciting in a kind of weird way because when you have your business and your business is going well and you go about your day and your operations, it kind of gets a little boring sometimes. So all of a sudden you're hit with this pandemic and you have to figure out a way to make your business work. So all of a sudden, like there is, <laughs> there's life. It sounds terrible, but there's like this rush that, that is addictive and that you want to, you know, make your business work and, and, and you don't stop until it does. So. It was it was quite an it was quite an interesting time of year that you know of course the first time is like you know total shock and denial a few tears were shed obviously and then after a while it's like all right let's you know let's let's just let's just get to work so well you, yeah. you know uh, Sean hit a couple of good points there like let's let's go back to the March what happened mm -hmm. business is going well I understand you were on an upward trajectory life was good everything's everybody's healthy and then COVID hit what happened how did you realize that everything changed in the world like was it nobody zero revenue like just what was it like from a restaurateur and and um you know yeah so we were we were having our best year yet and our strategy to increase our revenue was to get really aggressive at our catering um sales and we were hitting all of our targets and surpassing them and then all of a sudden COVID hits and it's like phone call after phone call after phone call, email after email, canceling all of these catering contracts. And I mean, I'm talking big, con big contracts. I'm talking about schools, like the school board. We had hospitals. And then all of a sudden, the schools are not going to school. <laughs> um, and and yeah, so it was, it literally went from being full tilt and to our sales dropping by and it was overnight guys by 80 percent and then so that is like the shock the, the, that's when the tears were shed because you're like so much so much is changing for the worse in such a quick like quick amount of time that that all of a sudden it's like oh my god like it's just like you, you don't even know where to begin yeah you wake up yeah, the next day and you have 400 phone calls and emails like cancel 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 oh yeah, crap like what happened hey? Exactly, exactly. And then we were just so excited that we were hitting our numbers and it was like our big strategy for 2020. And oh my God, it was such a, such a stressful, such a stressful time. time. I love hearing people's stories of that sort of transitional moment because I find a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, especially in the sort of areas like uh, retail or things where everything's just shuttered. There's no, there's no business. It's just done. Uh, just to see them in that state, because there's two ways to do it. You sort of sit back and be like, well, I guess I'll wait for this to pass. But you quickly, especially as an entrepreneur, realize, no, sitting here is how I end up out of business. So what can we do? What else can we do? Can we do this? Can we do that? Can we do that? And it gets those, I know exactly what you mean with the entrepreneurial sort of juices flowing. And it gets kind of exciting in a sense that you're trying to figure it out, assuming you can find a right path to get out. But I mean, at least it gets those sorts of things going and it switches things up from mundane. But having gone from your best year to your worst year, 
what was the biggest thing that you found that you guys were able to do to turn that around and sort of make the most of this awful situation? Yeah, so we started, um, I mean, obviously at the beginning is the shock and then trying to get out of that shock. I'm a big believer in community involvement and in not working alone, because if you try to work alone and you try to do it all on your own, it's going to be a very lonely, very hard, and you're going to be going against the current. So what I ended up thinking about was like, okay, how can I involve the community that I normally support through fundraisers? Like I, I gave a lot of gift certificates and everybody who would ask me for something, I would give them. So I'm like, how can I, how can I involve the community for a bigger or a greater good that is going to be a win-win-win for everybody? So then that's when I realized, hey, my, my brother's in the, uh, he's a healthcare worker. And he was telling me one day how exhausted he was and how hungry he was. And you don't tell a Latin person that somebody's hungry because we're going to be like manja, manja, like feeding everybody, right? So that's exactly what happened. My brother told me he was hungry, he was tired. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I have a restaurant. I have people that are, some of my customers and my clients that are asking me, how can we help you? Like, how can we support you other than just, you know, ordering takeout? And I'm like, well, why don't we create a fundraising event or a fundraiser where people from the community donate uh, 10 bucks to feed a healthcare worker? And they're helping two people. They're helping the healthcare worker, but they're also helping a family business because, you know, we, we needed that money in order to, to, to sustain ourselves. So, um, so then that's what I ended up doing. It was a, it was a risk because I didn't want to come across as greedy. So I decided to be very open in the way that I communicated it. It was like, you know, if you are sitting at home and you don't know what to do to help in this situation, I have this restaurant that is struggling, but your donations would definitely help this family restaurant stay afloat, but it would also help healthcare workers, you know, kept fed in, in one of the, the busiest times for them. Yeah. So it was a triple win. It worked and it, it literally ended up funding probably another, um, a good month, month and a half of our business where about, I would say 70% of that month, month and a half of our revenue were coming from that initiative. So it was <clears throat> yeah. something that it was in, in the, in the middle of a, of a moment of desperation and then seeing a problem, which is my brother. And then to my brother telling me that he's hungry and I'm like, I want to feed you, but I wonder how many other you know, doctors, nurses, and and what more are are feeling the same. So let's help you guys. Yeah, you know. I remember seeing that initiative when you launched it and thinking, what an amazing idea! And I love that you sort of thought about the sort of double-edged sword of the. Well, I don't want to come across as give me money. This is for other people. But the amount of good that that could do in these crazy times and the impact, especially on the health workers. I mean, especially at the beginning, was insane. And just a way to help them cope and other people to help other people. Because like you said, you're sort of trapped being like, how do I help? It's not like something else where you can go out and volunteer, you can go out and do something. They're telling you to stay home and do nothing. So it's a tough one to make sure that you're still trying to help the people that are struggling. Yeah, I, I think that the, um, those who, uh, the entrepreneurs who are sitting there the first couple of weeks even of COVID, waiting for government handouts and crying in their pillow and not doing anything, those are the ones who really tend to stand out versus the ones like yourself, myself, Sean, who are, who are being proactive. Okay, world's changed, cry a little bit, get over it. And then the next day, right to business, how do we fix this and move forward? Carla, I'm so pleased to hear about that community initiative and continuing on that thread. My, I first heard about you, Carla, through Invest Ottawa. 
And I know you're extremely involved with community organization, you know, it's true to my heart, getting involved in community, promoting the ecosystem and the Ottawa Board of Trade. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that is, like, how you are offering your assistance through some of these great organizations in town. Yeah, so um, it, it stemmed from actually, again, it stemmed from a very personal experience where my dad, um, after many years, he hired me to sell his business. And in doing so, we realized that he made catastrophic mistakes in the setup of the business. So we had to backtrack 13 years worth of accounting, 13 years worth of taxes, 13 years worth of a lot of stuff that ended up being very costly and almost put his retirement in jeopardy. So from that experience, I was like, I wonder, and because we're immigrants, um, so I'm like, I wonder how many other immigrants go through this experience where they're trying to set up a business, they don't do it right, and then they could potentially end up losing their life savings. Um, and then I decided to start helping immigrants on how to set up their businesses, how to do it properly, how to have a strong foundations with the experience um, that I've acquired throughout my years in business. And, and then, okay, and being an immigrant is also very lonely. Also being an, an entrepreneur in general is a very lonely endeavor. Right. How can I use my network to help their networks? So I decided to open up a consulting company to help immigrants, but then very quickly, I was helping not just immigrants, I was helping entrepreneurs from every walk of life. And then Invest Ottawa approached me and said, hey, um, you know, we're interested in, in what you're doing. Would you want to be an independent business advisor for Invest Ottawa's clients? And if people don't know about Invest Ottawa, it's a place where even if you're at the idea stage or if you're at the scale up stage, you can get business advice for free. You can get accounting help for free, legal advice for free. So there's, it's like Ottawa's worst and best kept secret. Um, but uh, yeah, so I started getting involved with them. And after that, I started getting involved with the Ottawa Border Trade. And it's just trying to help the community grow uh, healthier, better, and be more inclusive as well, more diverse. So it's something that is very near and dear to my heart, again, stemming from a very personal experience, but also utilizing, I mean, at the end of the day, what good is that knowledge inside my head if it's not shared? Yeah, I can, I can benefit from that knowledge and I can benefit from those networks myself, but I guess the ripple effect of sharing that and, and helping the ecosystem as a whole is going gonna, is gonna to be much better than just keeping it For to myself. Sure. I mean, That's what I go about. Fantastic. It's not just immigrant uh, entrepreneurs who might not know where they're going. It's anybody who starts a business. Many of us are doing it for the first time and we don't know what's available out there. We don't know what we don't know yet. I think exactly. most of us who've been around for a while now, we know what we don't know, but it took a while to get to that point. And it's a matter of finding those resources. Now, I used a lot of Invest Ottawa's help when I first started and I started uh, mentoring them, uh, some of their workshops as well years ago. And you know, especially during COVID, there's a great opportunity called Digital Main Street. Mm. And I know you're quite active. Would you like to chat about that on, on your involvement? Yeah, yeah. So Digital Main Street is a federal and provincial government um, program, which helps businesses. There's two parts of this program. There's Shop Here, which helps any business that doesn't have a website. Um, they actually build you a website for free. And you can be a home-based business, you can be an actual Main Street business, you can be a business of any sort, and they will help you build your website. And then the second part of the program is a digital Main Street. And digital Main Street is, is where they help you future-proof your program. They assign you a business advisor and a team of six digital marketers. 
they look into your business and for two weeks straight, they work on the digital, uh, digital assets and just a digital strategy or a digital marketing strategy for your business. And it's all paid for by your tax dollars. So you might as well take advantage of them. Um, so it's all paid for. And we've seen hundreds and hundreds of uh, entrepreneurs from all across Eastern Ontario. And some of these entrepreneurs are big names that you would recognize. So it's so rewarding that, you know, one day I'm helping someone who's been in business for a couple of months, but then the other day I'm speaking with, you know, a food and beverage or a brewery, you know, veteran that's been in the industry for 30 years and they're still taking advantage of these programs and they're still, you know, relying on other people's expertise and networks and whatnot. So entrepreneurship, you know, learning as an entrepreneur, it never stops. And I really love seeing how it's anybody from beginners to advanced that are taking advantage of this program. Because you at a stage in your career now, Carla, where you're able to, or have been for some time mentoring people and, and offering your help to to encourage and, and mentor others, have has mentorship played a role in your entrepreneurial journey? Have you been mentored? Have you had mentors? It's it's very interesting. As an um, as an immigrant, I grew up being and learning to be very self reliant. Also, I come from Mexico, where the government may not necessarily be as helpful as here in Canada. So we. In, as Mexicans, we learn to be very self-reliant and we learn to just to learn that we're alone. And then when we and I came to Canada and I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't realize how much help the Canadian government gives you and the, how helpful the community is. And it was actually when I started getting mentorship was about five years ago only. And mm -hmm. I've been in business 12 years and it took a while for me to realize that the Canadian, particularly the Ottawa community is so welcome. So and so collaboratively collaborative um it took me a while it took me a while to really realize that embrace it and and be part of it so I, it was about five years ago i started getting that mentorship hmm. you know, speaking of the in the past let's go into the future a little bit carla where do you see yourself or your businesses let's say in six months from now and a year from now can you put on your thinking hat and and and, and vision open. <laughs> uh, well, the, the pet stores are actually doing quite, quite great. It was funny because I'm talking about the March time in Freshie where, you know, I'm like scrambling, but on the pet stores, it was like mayhem. Everybody was like, oh my God, the world's coming to an end. Our dog is not going to have food. Let's buy like six months worth of food. So it was ridiculously crazy. So that was the other way. Um, but in terms of like where I see myself six months from now, I, honestly, I just, for the restaurant is the one that's a bit obviously struggling. So that's the one that I, I, I want to continue uh, open. I, I, I believe in that business. I believe in what we're doing. So um, yeah, so I want to keep that one open. In a year from now, I think I want to be able to relax. I want to be, <laughs> I want to be able to say, okay, businesses are back on track, or at least Freshie's back on track. We've got our contracts and uh, and continue to, you know, to and, and pick up um, all of those community events that I've had to say no to recently in terms of like donating gift cards and donating money and like all of these like little league uh, teams coming to us. I want to continue doing that. So that's what I want to do. <laughs> um, a lot of the times you hear entrepreneurs 
you ask them, why are you, why are you starting in the first place? Yeah, I want to have my three-day work week. I want to spend more time with my kids. I want to travel. And I have a few thoughts about that. But, but you know, when you're saying you want to work, keep building, maybe in a year from now, you might take a day off. Like, what would you say to those people who have that mind frame on, on, on the, the thrill of starting a business? To do it. I mean... I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm like working 80 hours. I'm a mom too, so I have to find the balance. But if, if anybody's thinking about opening a business, yeah, it's going to be a lot of work at the beginning, but you make it whatever you want it to be. You can make it your own. Um, you can be as busy or as not busy as you want it to be. But yeah, what I say to them is just do it. Um, analysis paralysis can be the worst enemy you can have. So at the end of the day, done is better than perfect. And it's, you know, it's progress, not perfection. So do it, get surrounded by people, get surrounded by the community that will be cheering you on and supporting you. And you will not feel as alone as, uh, as it could potentially be if, you're, if you do this on your own. Analysis well, paralysis. I was I'm just going to say, I find it hard with entrepreneurs often too, because uh, it's, it's not like something, say you're learning to be a hockey player or a musician or something. You practice, 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 practice. But as an entrepreneur, your failures are your practice. Uh, and people see it so much as like, I'm defeated, I've failed personally and all these things, but that's your practice. And you need hopefully little failings on the road to sort of greatness. But I mean, it's a lot of that stuff that you have to not get bogged down by and just really let it affect you because you have to be positive and keep going because those little failings are what's going to hopefully point you in the right direction for what is what you have the passion for or the interest in or the success, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a mental game at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur. And that's why it's so important to surround yourself with other entrepreneurs, because, you know, there's going to be a moment when you're going to be down. And if you have a group or a community surrounding you, that's going to be the community that is going to pick you up and is going to be cheering you on. And it's going to be like, listen, there's nothing more powerful than to hear from somebody else, not just their successes, but, but, but hearing, listen, I've been in that floor where you are right now and it sucks. But let me tell you, here we are to help you, to pick you up and to cheer you on, whatever you need. We're here, um, but it's going to get better. But we've been there. We've been there. We know exactly what you're feeling. And just hearing those words from other successful entrepreneurs, it makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah. And yeah. And I can't agree more with the community and all that sort of stuff, especially uh, for entrepreneurs. I mean, just realizing that there's voices out there, especially with the isolation and everything that we're feeling right now, it's so important for people to connect, even if it's virtually or whatever, to realize that there's people out there. This isn't the end of the world. I promise we are going to get through this. But it's so hard in your silo of entrepreneurship or solopreneurship often to just think that this is all happening to me and I don't know what to do anymore. There's no support. There's no anything, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Carly, uh, we, he does more than ever. <laughs> yeah, you have so much knowledge to, to, to express. And I'm not sure if some of our listeners caught it, but you said two words earlier, analysis paralysis. And just, I just sat down and I started thinking about that momentarily. And I thought of all of what you just said, that's what really caught my attention because a lot of the times we hear entrepreneurs thinking, okay, I have to do X, Y, Z to, you know, infinity before I launch. I have to have my website. I have to have my fancy business cards. I have to 
everything. And then a year later, they lose their competitive edge because someone else started the business or something happened. It reminds me of uh, one of my mentors, Greg Weatherden, a local business, a serial entrepreneur. He said, make it better later. Those are his yes. words. And I love it. And, and it, it's similar to what you say, like analysis paralysis. Uh, can, can you el elaborate a little bit more on that, please? Yeah. So, I mean, it, I think it's happened to everybody. And I guess we, we you know what, I think it's, okay, I'm going to get in a little, little heated subject, but I think it has to do with your university or college degree, because we're, we're taught in university and in college to, you know, create a thesis and to really do the research and to really put the quotes and the citations and, you know, so all of a sudden you're creating this so much work for four pages of, of you know, an assignment. And in, in entrepreneurship, it's all the way around. It's like you do it, man. Like you just do it. If it's not right, you iterate, you iterate, you iterate, you iterate. Because if you start taking time to take a look at the citations and the quotes and putting, you know, all of that together, it's never going to happen. It's never going to, because it's never going to be perfect. Like, I, you know, spoiler alert, a business is never going to be perfect. A business is always going to be evolving. It's always, it's going to fail. There's going to be like hiccups along the way, but it's just going to be an opportunity, opportunity to make it better. So if we stay in that analysis stage, you know, yeah, you're going to have the most beautiful business plan in the world, but what is a business plan worth versus an actual business that is open, generating revenue, making mistakes, but then you're learning from them. Yeah. So, yeah. So the analysis paralysis, it happens, it happens to everybody, I think. And then at the beginning, but then once you get into the business, once you start seeing that there is traction, it's addictive, man. It's like <laughs> you, <laughs> you forget the paper and just like start doing. Uh, one of the reasons I loved hanging around other entrepreneurs, going to networking events is hearing other people's stories, maybe some of the words of wisdom, but hearing what works for people, what doesn't, getting a good pulse on the on the community, the initiatives happening around town. Because if you try to do it all silo, you know, you think I'm I'm good at Facebook. I mean, I know how to do a website. I don't need anyone else help. Da 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 da. And you might not be getting as much traction. Exactly, exactly. And you might not be getting the the connections that you need that will help you grow your business too, yeah. organically. You know, by referrals or by recommending you by supporting you like growing your business is not always about a financial exchange mm -hmm. growing a business is also about exchanging goodwill exchanging branding exchanging partnerships collaborations and and that's being more of a 360 or a holistic entrepreneur and get stepping away from just a financial, you know, like going to a networking event. I hate going to networking events where people are like shoving down business cards because they want me to buy their products. It's like, that's like wrong. <laughs> I, I'm so encouraged to hear this. I, I preach that. I, I have hundreds of videos on YouTube talking about entrepreneurship and networking. And a whole bunch of them are about the concept of connecting with other people not giving a sales pitch, developing, nurturing these relationships. Because there's nothing worse. I, I agree, Carly. You go up to somebody, hey, Jared, nice hat. Here's my business. Here's my card. Here, you got to hire me. Here's my sales pitch. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nice to meet you. What's your name? Anyways, yes. I, yeah, I, I can totally relate. Yeah, yeah. So it's just looking at your business as a 
more than just a, a financial tra transaction and just as a way to develop a relationship with other entrepreneurs, with your customers, whoever. I mean, you know all of this, so <laughs> I'm probably preaching to the choir. But Carla, I mean, being a small business owner, like I, I'm sure you, you have quite a few staff now, but thinking back, one of the, I would say one of the values of being a small business is that, yeah, something doesn't work, you change it overnight. Like how mm -hmm. easy or hard is it for established businesses like yourselves to to initiate those those high level changes hmm, like do you need to redo all of your um you know your, your plans your your scheduling like everybody has to be on board like it's i could just imagine the process involved yeah so operations wise can definitely be a nightmare you really have to have a lot of really good buy-in from your staff um for example, COVID in our in our shops, the in the in the retail shop, operationally, it's been a nightmare because it's not that. I mean, we have the online um, the online website or the online e-commerce site that we launched because of COVID, um, full tilt. But then all of a sudden, we are now <laughs> we added an extra business model. We are the retail, but we're also an an online retailer. So operationally, all of a sudden, we added an, an, another layer of uh, int intricacy because now we're a warehouse and a distribution center, but we're also a retailer. But we needed to uh, we needed to we needed to adapt and we needed to do it quickly so that we wouldn't lose on the opportunity for business. But we also really needed that buy-in from our staff and that buy-in on the operations. And I think the way that we did it and, and the way that helps us is that we let the staff dictate a lot of these operational um, steps. So we're like, hey, this is the problem. This is our solution. What do you guys recommend? How can we make the solution that we have in our head how can we make it better with with your ideas, with your input? We need your input because at the end of the day, they are the front line. Yeah. They're the ones that are on the line and, and they're the ones that know how, you know, operationally, if it, if it will work or not. So their input is key and their buy-in is key. That's really nice to hear because so often you hear organizations start top down and then give up. Here's the law. Here's how we're going to change it. But by engaging your staff and stakeholders, hey guys, we have this issue. How would you suggest we solve this? Because everybody has a stake in the business. Absolutely, absolutely. And also our businesses, I mean, I think overall, depending, I have about 60 staff, give or take, depending on the season. But um, but on the on the shops where, where it's a very tight knit um, staff. So, and, and we've had staff that have been with us for 12 years, 10 years, eight years. So we want to keep them. So we need to treat our staff, we need to take into consideration their ideas. We need to, we need to action their suggestions because again, they're the ones that are on the front line. They're the ones that are dealing with all of the hiccups in the operations of the business. So why wouldn't we take their advice? On the, we'd be dumb not to, right? right. Uh, and, and again, they have the best interest at heart for the business as well. So it only makes good business sense to One bring of, them to the table. It's so nice to hear because there are, just like Jared said, so many sort of blind corporations that don't look down to their people, especially in the retail and sort of service sector, uh, because that is the important part. Those are the frontline workers that are going to make that difference. And if they don't care, nobody's going to care. So, I mean, it's really important to instill that along uh, the way. And I mean, during these crazy times, it's been 
hard to anticipate what to do. So, I mean, having people's feedback, and I mean, it's tough for them as well, right? So it's nice mm -hmm. to involve people as much as you can. Going back yeah. just quickly to your, um, I guess, more the food business, after the initial sort of uh, program that you put together for helping the healthcare workers and all that, was there anything else that really helped you sort of turn things during the open today, close today, open today, close today environment we've had for the last sort of year? Yeah, so we became a grocery store. <laughs> so I started taking a look at, you know, because you can only ask people for donations for so long, right? And then I started taking a look, okay, so how else can they bring money? People are not coming in for lunch because they're not in their offices. So I'm looking at my supply chain and I'm looking at the issues that grocery stores in keeping stock. So I'm like, okay, I have a very healthy supply chain. I can create grocery boxes and sell these grocery boxes to my customers. So I launched a grocery box, you know, initiative that also held me for another couple of months. And until, you know, everybody, because everybody was afraid of going to grocery stores too. So I'm like, don't worry, you know, we've got the vegan box, the vegetarian box, the gluten-free. Like it was, it's crazy how, how ingenious one can get when you're in pressure and when, you know, you have to pay your bills. So yeah, so I just looked around and say, okay, I have a healthy supply chain. I have, I have, I have um, items that I don't want them to go bad that, you know, they'd probably be getting better use much quicker if I sell them as groceries. So that was another initiative that that was it was short lived. It was probably about two months until everybody like all of the grocery stores started going online and then they started doing this. But at least it was like nobody else is doing it. I don't have time to think about it. Let's just get in there now and then just have a first movers advantage, at least for the the, the 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 first window of opportunity right. so that was that was another initiative it was kind of crazy I, it was surreal i was looking at myself going from door to door delivering these grocery boxes to my customers and just like laughing at myself and shaking my head saying oh my god never in my life would i ever imagine myself doing this well, it you, was fun you know carla i was going to ask you um humans are creatures of habit and and those who, who appreciate the fresh food the options that freshy has to offer do you think that would be a service offering you may continue in the future? I thought about this, um, but yes and no. I thought I don't think it, I, it's uh, it's um, profitable enough to continue doing it because there's a lot of the big grocery stores are doing mm -hmm. this already, um, where they you know you can buy online, they can deliver, you can go mm -hmm. pick up. So. I think, again, what we do best is food. What we do best is catering, takeout, you know, meals. I think that that's where I'm going to continue focusing my attention in. And hopefully I won't be in the situation where I need to come up with a grocery store. Well, well you know, to save you time from you having to go and deliver boxes, Sean and I interviewed another local entrepreneur, Jen Hayward from Global oh, Deliveries. Yes. Actually, she does my deliveries oh. for Global Foods. Oh, my online store. Yes, it's a great partnership. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. Okay, Sean, do you have any other questions for Carla? I was just going to say, Carla, as we're sort of hopefully ticking towards the end of this pandemic, I mean, we don't see an actual end in sight, but it's starting. Is there advice for uh, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs that you could give that would help them as we sort of reignite our businesses and sort of look to that other side of this nightmare? Yes, and it's going to be get involved in the community. It's been a saving grace for me. That's actually because of the pandemic, I ended up joining the Ottawa Board of Trade. And it is crazy how 
much support just like network networking but more like being part of a community be actively part of a community that is going to work together towards a specific goal because then you don't feel like you're at this alone because a we have the social distancing which all just to begin with that is you know enough to make you feel crazy by going being alone at home but then trying to do your business alone trying to um to manage this craziness on your own it's 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 enough to make you go crazy so getting involved in the community finding that group that support that is gonna at the very least hear you out whenever you're feeling frustrated is just so good for your mental health um and in the end it's gonna be good for business too but getting involved get involved get involved get involved get involved and i know that sometimes it's hard to look up from your business because you're trying to get you know save your business but getting involved and, and volunteering you know one hour a week or just you know just get involved yeah yeah I and mean, so many times great opportunities happen because it's the people you're talking to and if you're just working on your business so focused in your business got to make ends meet you have to meet your sales goals and you're not realizing long-term value of community then you might want to mm -hmm. sit down and reevaluate that could be an issue of the uh, analysis paralysis by getting out in the community and helping others and, and seeing collaboration. Yeah, and then you end up learning from best practices from others too, which gives you a, a new fresh look of your business. Sure. So yeah, getting involved 100%, especially now. Well, thank you so much, Carla. So I'd like to thank our special guest, Carla Briones from Freshy and Global Pet Foods here in Ottawa. Carla, thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. It was fun to talk to you. Well, again. thank you. And this was another initiative by Sean Cochran from TCC Canada and myself, Jared Goldsmith from ESACS. So stay safe, everybody, and stay in business.